0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Do you have a real plan for escaping what's coming? Well, you may immediately think, well, what's coming? War? Famine? Destruction? Oh, but that's not happened in my lifetime. Why would I have an escape plan? Everything's going to continue as it has always been. No, it's not going to. You need an escape plan. And you need time to think. One of the greatest gifts God has given to me in my life, outside of Jesus Christ, is time to think and meditate. Jonathan Edwards went into his study, and for 16 to 18 hours a day, he read the Word, he prayed, he meditated, he thought about what was happening, he considered his congregation, which had had a huge fight about receiving the half-converted in as members. His grandpa started that, and he In his heart rebelled and said, I don't want the half-converted to be considered as members. He had time to think and to pray. And out of that, he wrote that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And revival broke out. Incredible power of God poured out on a congregation. That congregation did not say, Oh, the peace of God is here. The presence of God is here. This is wonderful. No. When God came, they became terrified. They felt like the whole church was beginning to be raised up and tipped into hell and that they were going to fall into hell. And they began to cry aloud. They began to repent. They began to scream. We find the same thing happened with Charles Finney. When he would preach and the power of God would come into the house People literally began to scream and cry and beg God to forgive them for their wickedness. No, we want gentle revivals. We want pretty music and we want the peace of God and and we want to feel warm fuzzies. That's not revival. Revival is a serious crying out to God knowing we must access his escape plan or we will be cast into the fire of hell. So, why don't we have time to think or to meditate? Well, because today's society is so hyped up, there's no time to think. Knowledge has been increased, and now we have the cell phone to answer, and we have the YouTube constantly to go to, and we have technology all about us. We have a tablet that we can go to. We have we have everything to communicate with everybody. And so what are those things that we find Americans thinking the most about? Well, I've just jotted down the ones I think are most common. Number one is sex. That wonderful gift of God that has been utterly perverted into entertainment. And so now people just have sex for entertainment. They don't mean anything by it. They don't mean any kind of lasting commitment. They don't mean anything sacred. It's just getting off and feeling good and, and going on to the next one. It's the, it's the advertising. It's the movies. It's everything is about sex. And then secondly, there's violence on every hand. First, it came in the form of movies and, And YouTubes and sports, recognizing life and death, our systems so cranked up, winners and losers, Super Bowls. What? What? No time for meditation and prayer, no time for reading the scriptures. No time for thinking. This broadcast, I was encouraged by some listeners to do little shorts of these messages. These messages may only have 30, 40, 50, 100 even people who will view them. But yesterday afternoon, he put up a one-minute short Already 280 people viewed that short. What? Yeah. Look, I can get it quick. And then I can go on to my next deal. Don't take time to listen and think and pray and meditate. We think we know it all. We've been, we've been jammed with information. We've been fist fed down our throats with information. It comes running and, and charging at us from every angle. Much of it is filled with violence. And now violence is beginning to fill the earth. Shootings, rapes, robberies, beatdowns, violence, the American gets off on violence. Just like in Roman days, in the great Colosseums, when the Huns were beginning to attack and Rome was beginning to crash and fall. They wanted their great Colosseum entertainments. The more elaborate, the more exciting, with men fighting men and killing one another and and men fighting Wild beasts, putting Christians in the middle of the arena and loosing the lions and watching them devour them, blood on every side. That's where America's going. We've already done it on the television. And now we're finding it in our streets. Money. I have to make money. I've got to go get it. I need more money. I better take two jobs. I better take three jobs. I've got to pay for my lifestyle. Have you ever thought of just cutting your lifestyle down to a very small portion? Oh, money is the God of America. And the Lord God of heaven is about to crush money for America and the world. The economy is going to tank, and many will starve to death. You will be put out of your house because you can no longer pay the mortgage. Where are you going to go? What's your escape plan for that? Oh, you'll move into your car. Can you afford the car payment? Can you afford the upkeep? And then lastly, I put down self. Self-worship. Self is everything. I'm the man. And if we can't be the man or the woman, then let's look at the movies and let's look at the... Let's look at people we consider to be the man. Self. So we don't have time. we don't have time to think we want to we want to always have music playing people you get in your cars and you turn the radio on turn it off turn your car radios off turn off the the headphones take them off your ears take time to think about where you're at and what's happening in this nation think about what your future is going to be You don't have much time to prepare. Eternity is coming like a freight train. It's time to think. I know it's painful. We've lost the ability in America to think. But we need to think. We need to plan. We need to look at reality as it is and then take appropriate action to protect ourselves and our families. In the book of Hebrews, if you read it, you're going to have to think. It's not an easy read. You see, the book of Hebrews begins to describe for us eons of time. You see, what we're in right now with the increase of knowledge has not increased morality. It has done the opposite. American morality has been destroyed. So, I no longer respect the government leaders who are pushing through destructive policies to the people of America. They're there for themselves, not for the people. I no longer respect the public school system. It's utterly vile and wicked. I no longer respect much of anything in this world anymore. The churches, I don't respect the American church anymore. It's lost its moral footing. It's lost its moral standing. It's not about justice. It's not about righteousness. It's about success and building some great cathedral. It's entertainment 101. It's a business. It's about money and power and prestige. you come to the book of Hebrews he begins to speak to us about reality how long ago God spoke to our forefathers I know we're so caught in this time warp that we think there was never anything before us and there'll never be anything after us that we're it but we're not it there's a thousands of years of history before you were born. And in those eons of time, there was a great flood that wiped out all but one small family. The whole world was destroyed. The technology was totally destroyed. The flying machines, the the things to build that we can't even build today, like the Sphinx and the temple beside it in Egypt, the pyramids. And in those eons of time, some who went through that began to share what they had learned. So you have Nimrod, who is a great hunter before the Lord, a very evil, wicked man who gathers people together and says, let's not be scattered over the face of the earth. Let's build a great tower into the heavens. Let's be somebody. Do you understand? The human race has not changed. Our technology has changed after the flood. Our technology is different and and Daniel prophesied that at the end of time knowledge would increase, not morality, but wickedness would increase. So don't be caught in the technology of our day. Don't be caught in the sports of our day. Don't be caught In the entertainment of our day. Stop. Plan your escape. For it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. And you will burn with it. If you have not planned. A way of escape. Don't trust in faulty plans through the eons of the years, till finally we come to Moses, who in magnificent power brought the children of Israel out of the most sophisticated war nation at the time which was Egypt. He brought them out with mighty power, totally defeating the armies, totally defeating the power of Pharaoh. He brought them out by the word of God. It's been about what? 3,000 years since Moses. Eons of time have passed. Wars have been fought. Nations have been risen up and then crashed down. Babylon Medo-Persia Greece Rome And now we're in Daniel 2 in these in these feet of clay and iron some strong some weak that's where we're at. And then a stone was cut out without hands, and it crashed into the feet of this great image that represented all the civilization from Daniel forward. It was ground to pieces and blew away like like feathers blowing in the wind. And that rock grew until it filled the whole earth. The kingdom of God was coming. We're in those eons of time, except now we're at the very end of time. And as we're at the end of time, all of the distractions of sex and violence and money and self all rise up and demand our time and our attention so we have no time to meditate, to understand where we are in this stream of history. And so we're unprepared. Now, let me tell you, from God's perspective, from the creation of the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, all the way through the eons of time, including the great flood, including the migrations of peoples, Abraham, the children of Israel, the great wars, World War I, World War II, and now entering into World War III, through this entire length of time, there stands one single important moment in time. And that's when Jesus Christ was crucified. the most important point in all of the eons of time stands a cross where God himself came and died on that cross for you and me. Wow. The issue from the very beginning was when a serpent, a dragon, appeared in the Garden of Eden and deceived Adam and Eve, took them captive, and has ruled through these eons of time with sex and violence and money and self-esteem. Sin has been the issue. It is the issue today. Sin is the issue. How will you deal with your sin? Because there is coming a great day of judgment when everything on this earth is going to finally be brought before the judgment bar of God. Do you have a plan for how you will escape? Obviously, if you have a plan to escape, it's going to have to include the cross of Jesus Christ, because without that, there will be no escape. But more than the cross, it's going to have to be appropriating what Jesus did on that cross to bring me total deliverance from my sin. Now, please, Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the wages of sin is death. The wage of Adam and Eve's sin was death. And death has reigned through all of these eons of time. No people have been able to bypass the sentence of death spoken because of our sin. So somewhere in all of this, we're going to have to come to terms with our sin. And you can't believe the lying church that says, Oh, don't worry about your sin. Jesus just covered you over with grace and you're covered and good to go. You're still a sinner. You still haven't been transformed into his likeness. Oh, you might have gussied up a little, but you're still a sinner. And the lying church says, you're always going to be a sinner. It's impossible to leave your sin. But Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil in your life. You're going to have to think about these things. And face reality. And deal with reality. Now, when we come to Hebrews We have to ask, who is this Jesus that came to the cross? Who is this Jesus that he would go to the cross? We're going to have to look at that. Because your future depends wholly upon a Savior who can save you from your sin. Not who can cover it over. Not who can pretend that you're good to go even though you're still wicked. No, you're going to have to be brought out of your sin and made into a new being, a new creature. Remember Jesus said to Nicodemus, except you be born from above, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless your sin is removed. Unless it is totally removed. And you walk innocent before God. You have no escape plan that will work. So we need to think about this escape plan. We need to consider carefully what the scriptures have to say about it. We need to understand who this Jesus is that he came, can he in fact deliver us from our sin? Can he transform us? And and the word today in the modern churches, Jesus' blood is inadequate. It cannot transform you. Oh, it can change you a little, but you're still a sinner. Is that true? Is that what the Bible teaches? First John, the third chapter, is that what it teaches? Romans, the sixth chapter, is that what it teaches? Well, who is this Jesus? Does he have the power to transform my life? Can he break the addiction of drugs? Can he, can he break the sex addiction in your heart? Can he break your love for violence? for movies, for entertainment, for wickedness? Can he break that in your life? Can he break your lust for money? Can he break your worship of self? Can he make you into a new creature? I say yes. I say yes. Yes, he can, and he's willing to. Who is he? We find in Hebrews chapter 1 that he is the radiance of the glory of God, an exact expression of his essence. That means Jesus is made of the exact same essence as God the Father is made of or the Holy Spirit is made of he is God he is the exact essence he is also our judge he sustains everything by his word he has he has sustained this world and not allowed it to crash and burn. And by his power, by himself, he accomplished a cleansing for our sins. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than any of them. Now, Hebrews begins to talk about the difference between Jesus and the angels, because the angels were created as an order of beings above human beings. So when Jesus came to this earth and was born of a baby, he was created in the womb in an order that was less than the angels. Now, look, think about it. There are orders of beings today. We have dogs and cats who are under the order of human beings. Now, I tell you what. My experience with a pet chipmunk when I was a boy, my experience with rabbits, my experience with cats and dogs, horses. They have an incredible capacity to love. They don't have souls as we understand it, they were made for us to care for. I love deer elk, buffalo. Some people have a a blood lust. They love to kill animals. I abhor the killing of animals. Is it necessary? Yes. Every animal on the earth kills to sustain its own life. And we humans kill our animals, if I were starving to death, I would have no problem in shooting a deer or a cow, if it belonged to me, or a wild animal. I would use it to sustain my life. That's the order of being that we have. It was not always that way. Before the flood, they did not kill animals to eat. Now, it's clear that Jesus was made lower than the angels in chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews. But it says, Your throne, O God, that's to Jesus, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, that is, innocence, is the scepter of your kingdom. You loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Because of this, God, your God, anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, at a beginning, O Lord, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They themselves will pass away, but you remain continually. And they will all become old like a garment. And as a mantle, you will roll them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Now to which of the angels has he, God the Father, said, Sit at my right hand until I may put your enemies as a footstool under your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits being sent forth for service because of the ones being about to inherit eternal salvation? So angels were created higher than Jesus was, but when he died on the cross and ascended, he took back his place, at the right hand of God, as God, as of the essence of God, the same as God. We find over here in the Gospel of John, the Word, that is the Logos, was in a beginning, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This one was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him not even one thing happened that has happened. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light keeps on shining in the darkness, but the darkness overpowered it not. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and the world recognized him not. He came to his own, but his own people received him not to themselves. But as many as received him, he gave to them authority to become children of God, to the ones believing in his name, who were born not out of the blood, nor out of the will of flesh, neither out of the will of man, but born out of the will of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we observed his glory, glory as the only one of his kind, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is this person who comes to offer us this way of escape? Now, here's where I tremble. Many of you have no concept, no idea, no understanding of why you would need a way of escape. But I tell you now, you will face death. Do you wish to escape death? Let's be very real. We live in a world where there is 100% mortality rate. Our animals die. We die. This earth is dying. And soon, this whole deal coming through the eons of time in our lifetime is going to end. And based on What you have decided and what you have done, you will either be cast into the eternal lake of fire as punishment for your rebellion and your refusal of Jesus Christ, or you will be brought into the glory of his paradise. Pilgrim's Progress Begins with this man reading the word of God as I teach it day by day. And as he read it, he began to understand and to think about his destruction because he learned his town was going to be burned with fire. Washington, D.C. is going to be burned with fire. Soon, much sooner than you could even begin to imagine. New York City is going to burn. L.A., San Francisco, Las Vegas, Miami. America is going to burn. It's called in scripture, Mystery Babylon, the Great Whore. Can you understand? What I'm speaking about is life and death. It's real. It's not make-believe. It's not Hollywood. It's not Disney World. It's not Fantasia. It's real. And you are going to face the reality of what you have done and what you have said in your life, a way of escape is given to you. It is planned for you. But that way of escape is through a surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me read this for you. In Matthew, John the Baptist came preaching and he came preaching the same thing I'm preaching. And it's the same word that pastors who are honest have preached throughout the eons. Now, it's not the word that most American pastors are willing to, re- are willing to preach. And that word is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Get right with God. Listen, they came to John the Baptist confessing their sins. Anything called revival that does not first and foremost involve the confession of sin and the repentance for that sin is not revival. Verse 7, but having seen many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, O offspring of snakes. Now, where did that come from? The Essenes who separated themselves from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees. They called them snakes. They called them snakes, vipers. He says to them, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, I'm coming today and and saying to you, there's a wrath coming, and it's very soon coming upon the whole earth. In fact, you must produce fruit worthy of repentance. The modern church says, oh, you don't need to worry about producing any fruit. God loves you. Your family. You're saved. You accepted Jesus. You're on your way. Liar. It's not what the scriptures teach. In fact, you must produce fruit worthy of repentance. And you may not think to say among yourselves, we have a father, Abraham. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham out of these stones. And even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. So every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire there is already an axe at the root of your life. And if you do not repent and bear good fruit, that axe is going to be swung and it will cut you down and cast you into the fire of hell. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance But the one coming after me is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to remove. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire whose winnowing fork is in his hand. He will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire never to be put out. Do you understand that chaff is the sinner man? the person who thinks they can continue walking in sin and disobedience, that somehow because they've said, I accept Jesus, they're good to go. No, they're not. They're chaff. Are you chaff today? Have you taken time to think and to pray and to earnestly seek after the Lord of heaven? Have you... Have you spent the time reading the scriptures and praying? Or have you spent the time with your entertainment? Have you spent your time searching after money? Have you spent your time pleasing yourself with trinkets? Have you pleasured yourself with sex and pornography? Or have you taken time to think about the eons of time that are coming to an end? And you are going to see the end of those eons of time. And you will face the judge on that great day. Many of you will be swept away in fires and floods. Many of you will be swept away in war, atomic weapons. Are you ready to face the judge? Have you spent your time meditating and praying and searching after Jesus? Are you producing fruit after repentance? Or are you among the vipers and the snakes? Some of you have tattooed snakes on your arm or dragons on your leg. Are you of the dragons? Are you of the snakes? Are you of the devil? It's time to repent. To turn from wickedness, to seek the face of our Lord, our Savior. Chapter 2 Because of this. What's the because of this? Because the angels have been sent forth to minister to us, and the Holy Spirit has been sent forth to convict us. Because of this, it's necessary for us to pay more earnest attention to the things that have been heard, that we may never drift away. And literally, in the Greek, I don't know if any of you have ever sailed, but you you sail in, and there's the buoy where you tie your boat to, to the anchor. He's saying, don't drift past that anchoring point. Get your life anchored in Jesus Christ. The only way you can anchor yourself in Jesus Christ is to confess your sin, to repent of it, and to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. It says, For if the word having been spoken by angels became certain and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape having neglected so great a salvation, which at at first having received that to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by the ones having heard, being joined by God bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles, and the Holy Spirit distributing gifts according to His will. To understand, there is a great salvation that has been provided for us, and that great salvation has an anchor point, and the anchor point is the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't drift by it. If you drift by it, you will shipwreck your life and you will die. Every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. Even now, while I'm speaking with you, mighty angels of heaven who left their first estate Who sinned against Almighty God. These angels are held in prisons. The people of Noah's day that were so utterly evil are held in prisons, prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of God's judgment and they will be brought forth without a Savior, and they will face the fire of hell. And they're terrified of it. For now several thousand years they've been in prison. And finally we're told in Revelation, the 20th chapter, that the devil himself is going to be cast into prison for a thousand years. And during that time, he will have time to think about, to meditate upon what he has done to the human race and to our Lord Jesus. But he will not turn his heart. And he will rally the whole world of wickedness to come against the great city of God. And we're told in Revelation 20 that the fire of God will come down and destroy him and he will be cast into the lake of fire with the beast power and the false prophet. My brother, my sister, how do you stand today? Almighty God, I just come pleading your blood. The blood of Jesus Christ over every person listening. I pray that you will bring forth revival in their hearts, causing them to begin to sense the desperateness of their situation, that they will cry aloud to you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. I'd like to hear from you. Are these messages stirring your heart? You can write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. The finances are going very slowly. I'm standing by faith that we'll be able to pay this month's radio bill. You can help if you have a, a love for the gospel and a love for these straight messages. Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenlee, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Uh, you can also go to our webpage, NationalPrayerChapel.com NationalPrayerChapel.com And please, you're welcome to give online there. Please share this message with friends and family. Subscribe if you have not done so already. And I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Before the and so